and welcome to the Soccer Coach Weekly podcast with me, Steph Fairburn. Thank you for joining us as we get insights and ideas from coaches working across the game to help you develop into the coach you want to be. This episode, I'm joined by Chris McLaughlin, a UEFA B qualified coach originally from Scotland. Chris has a variety of coaching experience, including work as an academy coach, club development officer and women's assistant manager, and time spent at the Scottish FA and Celtic. Over the years, Chris has got more interested and invested in the analysis side of the game. I caught up with him to talk about what he enjoys about analysis, how it helps his coaching, and how other coaches can get started. First, though, he told me a bit more about his background in soccer. Grew up like many boys and girls in Scotland, absolutely loving football and just really obsessed by it. So, you know, very early on realised I was never going to make it as a player. Um, so I got into coaching at about 15, um, just helping out the, the club I was at and coming on all Colts, you know, just coming down early for training and, and helping some of the younger age groups. And over time that progressed um, and a coaching career that's been 10, 12 years now. Um, went from under sevens to different age groups at the Colts, eventually working the community programs and different things. Uh, and over time, worked for uh, Celtic and some of their international stuff, did a summer with Challenger Sports, um, kind of went through a few different roles and, and a lot of different experiences, which has been really nice at all different levels. You know, still in uni, assistant manager of their women's team, um, back to Commonwealth Colts as club development officer. Um, Hamilton Aki's about East Fife and, and now find myself out here in Malaysia so a whistle-stop tour lots of variety I'm sure we'll get into it as we go Tell us then a bit more about um, what you're doing in Malaysia and what's what's led you there Yeah so um, my partner Rachel and I we came out here uh, just about a year ago um, early November last year um, so we're both teachers that's how we met um, so um, on top of my coaching and my football work I'm a primary school teacher, so I've tried to kind of fit that around my football in terms of I don't necessarily see myself as a, a teacher, but so many transferable skills, so many good links, um, you know, and lots to, to be gained from, from one to the other and vice versa. So we'd applied for jobs um, in China. I was going to go out and teach PE um, for the summer, starting in the summer 2020. Uh, of course, COVID came and, and that fell through, so... We ended up applying just by chance for another school in China. Um, again, got out to teach PE and that fell through for summer 21. So it was a really last minute sort of scramble um, that we ended up getting offered these positions in Malaysia. Um, I was then in class, um, but it was, it was um, you know, are you going to go and embrace it and, and go and do it? Or are you going to say, oh, I don't want to be in class. I only want to teach PE. So we bit the bullet, went for it, um, delayed a lot with our visas bug out since November and, and really, really enjoying it. I'm really, really happy here. This is the first time I've had my own class for a whole year and, and been the teacher. So it's been a, a bit of a change, but a nice experience. Um, certainly enjoyed it much more than I thought I would. Um, so we've been here uh, just, just about a year now. Started our second year of our two-year contract um, and it'll be decision time soon in terms of what comes next. So we've got a few weeks to sort of tentatively make up our mind and say, you know, what's going to happen next? Where are we going? Do we want to stay? Do we want to go back home? Do we want to go somewhere else? So exciting. You know, we've got a few options and a few ideas, um, but it will come to the crunch soon that we need to sign on a dotted line somewhere. You mentioned the transferable skills 
Um, and that, that's what I was thinking, actually, because you see, for example, a lot of coaches that are thrown in and they, they know about football, but actually they've never worked with kids before. Or What are some of the key transferable skills that you think you've been able to use between the two jobs? I think I think that's a really good question, and and there's I think there's loads. I think my coaching's really helped my teaching, and vice versa. Being a teacher's really helped my coaching, and I think most of all it's that sort of individual approach in terms of you know if I've got a class of, of twenty children or thirty children, you know, getting them all on an average of good grades is is nice. But you know, for the, if one kid is not learning and not developing or not happy, you know, I can't really turn around and say well. 28 are ah, I've only got two that are not happy or two that are not performing you know it's, it's on me as a teacher to help all of them help all the individuals and, and certainly for coaching up to up to the first team and even including the first team level it's about developing individuals and it's about you know helping them to be the best they can be and that kind of approach to it and that sort of long-term planning looking at curriculums and you know looking at how can we best help each individual and of course um, you know the skills such as organization and planning and being adaptable you know certainly in school things can change a lot same with with football with numbers changing or circumstances changing injuries suspension weather all these kind of things can affect you at short notice as I'm sure you know and um, you know certainly lots of things that I've gained from one to the other because essentially the role of both a teacher and a coach is to, to help individuals to learn help individuals to improve and the way you do it is sometimes slightly different but also sometimes very similar in terms of chunking up information and how do we package things how do we give people the chance to to shine and to flourish so yeah certainly learned a lot from from one to the other and have you seen much of the game when you've been out in Malaysia have you seen any football out there what what's I guess what's the football culture like out there it's absolutely thriving I was really surprised um totally taken taken by surprise in terms of this football everywhere um very lucky from our flat we've got a nice view of a pitch um just down the road there and there's just always games going on and in every spare patch of grass there's always kids playing and maybe in my ignorance before we moved here as I say it was short notice um but I just had no idea um how much you know the love for the game would be here which is, is great to see and um so even as as an adult you know as a, as a grown man you could I could play seven nights a week if my if I was able to if my knees could handle it um, but there's just games all the time and I, you know this Penang island that we're on is is not a huge island um, but there's so many um, such a mix of cultures so many teams so many games all the time which is is really really nice um, and the appetite for football is is brilliant um, they love the English Premier League here um, which is is great but obviously as a Celtic fan, there's not so many times that you can find the uh, the Scottish games on TV. So I'm often stuck in a house watching them. But apart from that, uh, no complaints. So with you being a Celtic fan, I know you do watch a lot of the games and I know you also do kind of some analysis on some of the games that, that you watch. Um, yeah, that's something I've seen a lot on your Twitter feed, kind of detailed analysis of of games. What is it about analysis that you enjoy so much and that interests you so much and that you think kind of works hand in hand with coaching uh, i think probably two different things the first one was just over the last couple of years reflecting on my, my own ability and, and where i wanted to go and in that area of tactical understanding and tactical analysis was something that i knew i had to improve at um so I, I just sort of made the decision i'm going to start doing some things doing some bits and pieces and just putting them out on twitter on linkedin and, and trying to get some feedback and 
looking back now, they were the ones I put out at the start are pretty rotten. But you know, you need to you need to have that starting point to begin and get feedback and have people say, "Well, does that make sense? Have you thought about this? Are you overcomplicating that or over oversimplifying something else?" Um, so really, just sort of thought I'm going to bite the bullet and and put some things out there. Here's what I see um, in terms of this game that I'm watching or this this footage I managed to get my hands on and. Um, you know, through that, it's been great to, you know, speak to some really clever people, people that have much more experience than me and people that can give you really good pointers along the way of maybe you should read this or this is happening or have a look at, at this. You're kind of on the right lines and um, it's something I really enjoy. It's something that's, you know, been a bit different for me, like I say, and getting that sort of overall bird's eye view of a game. And I think that can help you as a coach because if you know, the way you want your own team to play or how you imagine an opposition might play in an upcoming game or how where you want to take players to in terms of the journey over a year or a number of years, you can then use that sort of overall overarching picture and then drill down into the specifics. So um, that was something not analysis-wise, but in my role at Cumberland or Colts, we had that really clear purpose and that really clear vision, which I think if you have that and you have that clear idea, whether that's, how we want to be as a club in terms of our ethos or how we want to play in terms of our tactical style, um, that can really help you. So away from the analysis at Cumberland or Colts, we were very much um, football in the community, for the community, giving people a chance to play and, and using football as a vehicle for good. Um, so that made lots of our decisions on how we wanted to run the club much easier because we had that really aligned, clear purpose. Um, so I think having that overall, go back to analysis, having that clear understanding of what's happening, what might happen, um, where we can hurt teams and where they might hurt us, um, just helps you to be more prepared and helps you to, to give that clarity and information to the players. Um, and I think this, the game is probably moving in a sense that, you know, you see more and more, you've got the analysts on the bench rather than necessarily in the stand on the radio. You see those sort of hybrid roles and, and people having... They're kind of coach analyst. I know that um, both Swansea and Accrington Stanley had a kind of coach analyst vacancy in each of their academies recently. And I think if you can do both, it's a really useful skill set to have. It it cuts down that process. Um, you can be really specific, really clear, do these things in a really timely manner. Um, and football is obviously a very competitive industry, as you know. And if you can do, if you've got more than one string to your bow, that's only going to stand you in good stead and most importantly, stand your players in good stead as well. Loads to pick up on from from that answer. But um, I suppose to start with, you said just kind of having a, a bird's eye view of a, of a game. When you are going about, maybe it's a bit different when you're watching Celtic because obviously you're, you're proper invested. But when you are going about um, analysing a game, are you yeah there's a lot there's a lot we can analyze right so are you looking at everything or are you spe- specifically focused on on i don't know i'm going to look at set pieces in this game i'm going to look at the attacking patterns in this game do you go in with kind of an idea of what you want to look at or do you see how the game develops and decide what what might be best to look at i think there's a good question you know you can't necessarily do everything all at once certainly not on first viewing um especially if you wanted to be clear and accurate and and to be your best work I think it would depend on the purpose of of the analysis. You know, is it something that I've seen? You know, lots of stuff I've maybe put on Twitter. It's things that I've seen and going, "Oh, that's interesting." I'm going to watch that again and pick it apart. Or it might be, well, I've heard that this team plays out from the back in a really interesting way. Um, so I'm going to look at that. Um, I think in terms of my work at East Fife, when I was a, an opposition analyst, it was 
much more structured in terms of um, here's how the opposition try to play. Here's their, their sort of main ideas, their strengths, their weaknesses, the key players, um, and then importantly, how we can hurt them. The the context behind that work at East Fife, though, was it was during the, the season that resumed, 2021 season that resumed after the COVID lockdown. So uh, East Fife are a part-time team. They play in the third tier in Scotland and instead of training Tuesday, Thursday and playing Saturday, they went through a, a eight or ten week period of playing Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. So they had no training sessions. They had, you know, some of the analysis would be delivered pre-game and post-game, as in on the night, either a couple of hours before the game or just after. It might be that, you know, you play a game and then after that game, they're looking at the next opposition because they know that they're not going to see the players from the Tuesday to the Thursday. Um, so in terms of my role at East Fife, it was basically my job was to gather as much information as possible um, and then put that together in a really concise, clear, but detailed way for the, the staff. And then they would make the decisions on how to trim that down for the players. You know, So if, I, if I'm creating a 60, 70 page report um, with images and video and, and numbers, the players wouldn't get all of that. It's just to give the, the management staff that background, that information. And then based on their knowledge of the teams, our team and opposition, they would then trim that um, as they thought best, as they thought appropriate. Um, so in terms of the East Five stuff, yeah, it was, it was, you know, watching many games and watching them many times, um, starting off from the basic, you know, what's the, the system? How do they move when they've got possession? How do they look to attack? How do they look to defend? Um, and I think the fact of how can we adapt to that or how can we take advantage is a really important bit. So it's one thing to say, you know, Manchester City play up and they have the 2-3 rest defence and they invert the fullbacks and they have five in the attacking line. Okay, but now what, what, we, what are we going to do to stop them or what are we going to do to hurt them? And that's the sort of key piece, certainly for when you're coaching and there's that team that's needing to receive the information. It's one thing to say, here's what's happening. And it's another thing to say, and here's what we're going to do about it. Um, so that was a really good challenge, especially on those tight um, those tight timelines with East Fife. On the here's what we're going to do about it. So we'll have a lot of like grassroots and youth coaches listening to this. And um, actually this week, I'll be honest, I got a message. So I coach an under-14s girls team. And I got a message from another coach saying in the league saying oh my game's cancelled where are you playing so I can come and analyze the opposition and in my head I was like this is an under 14s girls team like like it's a kids team get out of here basically um we shouldn't be setting up to analyze opposition and to combat what the opposition are doing we should be setting up to play our game at, at this age but I suppose what what's your take on it what stage in football should we be looking to adapt to the opposition it's a good question. I suppose there's probably, I'm going to sit in the fence, there's probably not one black and white answer. I think it depends on the context. You know, if, as you get older or as you get more serious and as you know who you're coming up against, it might change. You know, so certainly even though you might play in a, a you know, really young age age group, you know, under sevens, under eights, under nines, from that age upwards, you know, especially if you're playing the same team, you get an idea of, who are the really strong teams and who are the really weak teams. And I suppose there comes a point where results are not the most important thing in youth football, but you also want that competitive game and competitive game in the sense that it's going to be quite even, it's going to be a good test, and it's going to be a chance for all the players to learn. Um, so I suppose if you know as you get older, you're, you're under 14s, you maybe 
coming to 15s and 16s, you know, okay, well, this team are going to play like this. We want to play our game, but we need to be aware of X, Y, and Z. And that's, you know, I think that's in terms of coaching players in the all-round game in that holistic way, it's, okay, well, we know that very small data, we know that on Saturday or Sunday, they've got a really fast striker. When the ball is in their half, just make sure you're nice and side on so that you're ready to change direction if they play the ball over the top. You know, it's not necessarily presentations and PDFs and video footage of saying, you know, we're going to totally change our structure. We're going to go through a, you know, tactical walkthrough 11v0 for the under under nines. But just planting those little seeds and those little key details of, okay, well, this is how we might deal with this challenge. Or, okay, well, if they've not got much pace, the under 14s that you're playing next week, we can then press that a little bit higher because we know that we can leave that space behind. Um, so certainly there's a balance to be had. It doesn't necessarily need to be full-blown loads of information or nothing. Um, it's just, you know, drip-feeding those little nuggets that will stand players in good stead regardless of the level they go to, regardless of the opposition, regardless of the level they play at. Um, and then, of course, as you get older and as winning takes on more importance and as being competitive takes on more importance or in an academy setting, you know, the player themselves moving up to the next age group becomes more important. They need to then know how to deal with different opponents. And, you know, if you get to a certain age and you're not, if you know information as a coach and you're maybe not sharing that with the players and they then go out and they really, really struggle, you think, well, maybe if I told them something or told them more, then that could have uh, helped them. And, and ultimately, that's what we're there for, there to help the players. We're not there to be overbearing. We're not there to play FIFA and, you know, control them, pass, move, shoot, pass, move, shoot. Um, so it's, it's really difficult to, to find that balance. But certainly as a coach, you would know your players and know the, the sort of level you're operating at. Thank you. You've made me feel like I was a bit harsh on my judgment <laughs> to that question. No, no, I mean, I think there is certainly a worry. I know you've had guests on before talking about, you know, um, are we taking the joy away from, from players? You know, because at the end of the day, if you win or you lose the game, you know, at certain levels, it's a case of so what? You know, okay, we won or lost. Am I taking away the, the fun or the risk taken or the excitement so that I can say to my mates, we won we won this morning. All my all my players are miserable, they feel like robots, they you know are worried about making mistakes, but you know, my ego's boosted because we we won at the weekend. You know, certainly, you know, we all get into football because we enjoy it and because we love it, and it's it's the emotions of football that, that keep us hooked, certainly as a fan. And you know, I think as coaches, especially as we see more and more information. Um, coming from Monday Night Football, coming on social media as the game advances. You know, I think people who coach children have got a real responsibility not to make that overbearing. You know, kids are kids, they're not many adults and we need to be really careful of stripping the the fun and the joy and the risk and the childishness and the real playfulness away from them. Mm -hmm. I suppose linked to that as well, if realistically when we're watching games, they are, you know, you're watching Celtic, SPL, Premier League kind of Champions League quite high level games and we do learn a lot from doing that and we can analyze plays in that but then how do we make sure that we're taking those learnings and then adapting them so they're the right level for whatever you know they might be under 18s but obviously they're not professional how do we make sure we're adapting for the players we're working with I suppose Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, it's, it is a totally different game, especially the bigger that age gap is. It's a totally different game. And that's something that I'm really conscious of when I'm in a situation working with younger players that we're not rushing to make it the, the real game, in inverted commas, or make it the, 
the proper game or you know get to live in a side football. We've, I've seen that a lot in my time in terms of oh, we're, we're finished with four versus four. We need to play 5v5 or we need to play 7v7. We're ready for 11v11. Um, and you see these kids and it's, it's always the goalies you feel so sorry for that, you know, they're standing there freezing cold, the ball is miles away uh, and you've got a goalie who's, you know, four foot nothing and a goal that's about seven foot tall and you think if that shot goes off the ground, he or she's got no chance. Um, so we need to be really conscious, it's a totally different game. I think um, as you introduce your players to analysis, there's probably two things I would encourage, certainly at, at our club in the past was, can we look for those role models? Whether that's a story off the pitch and perseverance, thinking of um, Andy Robertson as one, and he was released by Celtic and, and worked his way through the leagues. So those sort of role models, and we had a lot of that, certainly for the, the Scottish Women's National Team for our Girls Academy. Um, but also then in terms of how they're playing, you know, look at the way they're scanning the shoulder. There's that great Frank Lampard video um, when he's scanning his shoulder all the time. Or look at how they receive the ball on the back foot or... You know, even this player who's you know one of the best in the world, he or she is still pressing and, and trying to win the ball back and working hard for their team. Um, so we can take clips from that sort of elite context, but take you know what are the lessons um, that we're taking and is it realistic? You know, because if our players at eight, nine, ten are either not falling in love with the game or can't manipulate the ball when they get it, you know, there's there's not so much point in teaching them about you know those eleven v eleven pressing structures when. It's not what they need at that time. Uh, be nice, you know. It's nice to teach about those things. And sometimes, as a coach, you feel I, I'm more of a coach. I'm a proper coach now because I'm coaching at this level or I'm talking about these things. But you know, a proper coach is someone who delivers what the players need and and then that engaging appropriate way um, for those players at that time. Yeah, it's interesting that you say proper coach. I stand on the sidelines sometimes. I'm like, am I am I doing enough? Because I'm not telling them about this pressing structure. But then it is. Actually, are they re- are they ready for that? But when you when they are ready for that, when you do do that, um, how do you coach it so that it stays fun and that it stays interesting and it's not just, you know, here's one way that you might press dun dun dun. What techniques might you use to make that an an engaging session? Uh, I think the first thing to avoid is is the the old coaching mistake that certainly I've done a lot and probably I'm doing right now is just going total word vomit. And just throwing loads of words and loads of information and, and hoping that something will stick. Um, you know, coaching is a, such a continuous, a long-term process, as is learning. Um, you know, it's not a, a switch that we can flick and, okay, we've not done any pressing or we've not talked about this. And now, well, now they know it. I've told them and now they know it and they'll understand it and they can apply it and they can deal with it. Um, so it's a, certainly a, a sort of drip feeding process. Um, and it's just about being really clear. You know, this is what we're going to try and do giving players some input, helping them to understand here's why we might do it. Um, and of course, it won't always be successful. But in terms of teaching and coaching any topic, um, certainly think we used to have an acronym at, at the Colts called CAPES, which uh, C-A-P-E-S, which did for challenge, challenging, active, purposeful, enjoyable and safe. And, and we try to apply that to, to all of our sessions. So in a sense, it doesn't matter what you're trying to teach. Um but you're trying to make it challenging in terms of you're trying to stretch the players. It's not supposed to be really easy. There should be mistakes. And, you know, it's important that players know that. That's part of learning. Um, you know, it should be active. So, again, that takes away from those bus stop cues or too much stop, stand still, listen to me, I'm the boss. 
um, purposeful again? Is it appropriate? Is it linked to the game? And I used to ask our coaches that all the time. You know, does this look like the game? Does it? Is it a realistic situation? Am I going to find myself on a Saturday in this position with these players around me trying to do this? Um, and then, of course, enjoyable and safe um, were the two most important ones, especially for the younger ages. Um, but things like competitions, time limits, um, trying to beat your own personal best, all, all these different things, you know, what, the same activity, but you've got two teams working and, and one's trying to be better than the other. Um, and sometimes there is a need if you've got the right players and the right setting and the right um, even the right weather for that sort of more longer laborious coaching. But as long as you balance it out then with more active stuff and, and more what would be traditionally enjoyable sessions, I think it's, it's about, you know, blending that whole mixture together. Um, and as I say, if it's purposeful, if it's active, um, you know, the players can take a lot away from it without being lectured. You know, we used to talk about no laps, no lines and no lectures. Um, you know, they're here to play. They're not here to listen to me. Um, they're here to, to play and, and learn through play, which doesn't mean you don't coach them. It doesn't mean you don't stop the session. It doesn't mean you only play matches. But, you know, we need to, especially in Scotland, you know, Broadwood is one of the, the coldest stadiums in the country. In Scotland, right next to the lock, the, the, the corners are all open in the stadium, the wind howls in. Um, I think it reaches, you know, below zero in June and July, never mind November and December. So it's about getting the ball moving, being purposeful and, and having those really active sessions that the players can then take away from. So say there's a um, coach listening to this that I suppose wants to get more into analysis, um, wants to, yeah, wants to start analysing games. Um I mean, they can just turn on the TV, obviously. But what what tips have you got for them about how they might start, the things they might look at, what their first steps might be? Uh, I think, uh, like you say, getting started is like you know one of the key things, just to give it a go. And certainly, as I said, when I look back at some of my stuff from you know eighteen months, two and a half years ago, it was it was pretty rotten. But it's a starting point, you know. If you don't start, you're not going to improve. Uh, I think watching as much football as possible is a big help and certainly at a range of different levels you know so like you were talking about before you can watch Champions League and it's the best teams and the best players in the world um, but you know there's a, such a variety of styles and ways to play and types of players it's important that you watch as much football as you can um, and certainly you know just seeing what you see and I would start small so maybe like you were talking about before start targeted you know it might be well I you might start working backwards I've heard that Man City playing this way so I'm going to watch and see if I can spot that or it might be a team that you don't know and say well I, I don't know how they play I wonder if I can work out within the first 10-20 minutes what system they're playing are they building up with a three or four is it a single pivot one sitting midfielder is it a double pivot um, what's the role of the, the wingers in the build up um, and then just like I say ask for feedback and you, you've got to be open to learn if you want if you want to learn You've got to be open to, to criticism and feedback. And as much as it's nice when people say, oh, that was great. This is really good. I really enjoyed that. You know, I'm far from an expert and, and it's very rare that anybody's the finished article. So you've got to be willing to to get feedback, to get a bit of criticism. And the more people maybe see your work, certainly in social media, the more chance there is of somebody going, this guy's a donkey, he's talking rubbish. Uh, and you need to take it off with a smooth a wee bit. But uh, the only other big thing I would say is to try and find that footage with a, a really good angle. Um, so unfortunately, lots of the TV footage 
well, it's not geared up for you to see the whole game. It's geared up for you to to be entertained and see the action. Uh, so I know that um, Carlin Carpenter on Twitter, um, he's got his own, I'm sure there's others with his own Google Drive file and he's got lots of tactical camera footage. Um, so you can dip in and out of that and see the, the bigger picture, see how the teams and players are moving and, and see what's happening um, across the whole pitch, which is a big help as well. Final question then. Obviously, you've got your you're a coach. You're kind of getting into analysis. You're a teacher. How do you do? You hope at some point all of those worlds like converge and into the ultimate role. What what do you hope that looks like? Yeah, I think um, as you said, you know, lots of transferable skills. Um, I would like to start a masters, um, and hopefully in September coming. So just under a year from now, and looking at a couple of really exciting options and courses at different places. Um, from my point of view, I think my variety of experiences really helped me. So I've, I've not been pigeonholed into, you know, this guy coaches the youngest kids or this guy is only able to deal with players of, of this sort. Um, I'm sure my, my school wouldn't want me to want to hear me say it, but I don't intend to be a teacher forever. Uh, but it, it is, as I said, really enjoyable and, and a really good challenge. And it's, it's helped us, being a teacher's helped us to come out and live in, in this fantastic country. Um, so, you know, there's there's lots of things to take from that. Certainly, in an ideal world, it would be working in football full-time. You know, sometimes full-time roles are, are like hen's teeth, as, as I'm sure you know. And um, it's a, certainly about not being too picky, but, you know, it's not about just being desperate to work in football. You know, it's am I able to add value? Am I valued? Am I able to contribute, make a difference here and, you know, play my part, whether that's with the youngest kids or first team players, you know, certainly I've been very, very lucky in some of the roles I've had that, you know, I'm either learning a lot or able to, to give back a lot. And when I think about the, the guys I learned off at Celtic, you know, I remember starting at Celtic, which would have been in 2016, working for the, the soccer academy, which is a sort of their community programmes and their international stuff. And, uh, a bit naively walked in the door thinking, I know what I'm doing a wee bit, I'm a, I'm a decent coach. And, and then some of the guys uh, working with you think, wow, that's, there's another level to this, um, which was great, which is a really good learning curve. And, and you go through that in your development as a coach or an analyst, uh, you know, those peaks and troughs of, you know, I've made a lot of good progress. Then I, you maybe plateau a little bit or, oh, wow, there's so much more I need to learn. And, and it, that kind of cycle continues on. So, you know, I, I'm open. I'm not dead set on I, I must become a manager or I must get back into you know the foundation phase of the children's academy um, you know I'm enjoying what I'm doing in terms of the coaching the, the little bit of coaching I've done here the coaching I've done in the past the analysis um, and it'd be nice to combine the two but you know I, I've got a lot of learning still to do um, a lot of improving still to make and hopefully whatever role I get I continue to enjoy it and continue to learn and improve that was the voice of Chris McLaughlin. Thanks to Chris for his time and his thoughts. And thanks to you for listening to the Soccer Coach Weekly podcast. For more from us, join us again next time or visit soccercoachweekly.net for practice plans, advice, interviews and much more. I'm Steph Fairbairn. See you again soon. Hold up. 